2: Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale City Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go to Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Uh, I don't know what Elijah did with Connor Clark, but um, uh, maybe we'll see Connor next week. Uh, excited to spend uh, the rest of the afternoon with you. Hail Varsity. Numbers to get in. Can join us today, 466-3776, 466-3776, 800-825-5865. Can watch the show. You're encouraged to do so. Hail Varsity YouTube channel. That's where you get everything, right? You get all the uh, post-practice reports. You get all the post-press conference video. Always good stuff from Aaron Sorensen and Brady Altman's and company can watch that. Hale Varsity's YouTube channel can stream us many different ways, radio and or uh, on Twitter at Hale Varsity Radio's Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio, and then ESPN Lincoln allows you to watch and participate, ESPN Lincoln Twitter, ESPN Lincoln Facebook, and wherever you hear us around the great state of Nebraska can email Chris at Varsity. .com. Pretty newsworthy day, Elijah, and uh, it kicked off about 12 hours, 15 hours ago uh, when things kind of finalized with the announcement right when we got done. Well, I'm doing poor math. That's forgive me, me in 22 my broadcast hours ago. Background. <laughs> 22 hours ago. Carry the one, right? Yeah. 22 hours ago, Nebraska getting a, just a monster uh, commit from the portal, Walter Rouse, Uh, standout tackle with the Stanford Cardinal is coming to play his ball in Lincoln this fall. We'll have some thoughts on Walter here in a moment. Plenty more from E.J. Barthel, Nebraska's running backs coach, Evan Cooper, Nebraska's secondary coach. Big uh, appreciation to Brando's sports world for shouting us out. We shout you out, Brando, and uh, plenty to get to. Brandon Vogel will join us in 20 minutes. Uh, Recap his thoughts with Uh, The week that has been in our two, Gary Barnett, he weighs in. He's seen plenty of Walter Rouse. What does he think Nebraska has on the offensive line? And we'll get into that youth versus experience discussion point as we look at uh, Coach Rule's staff and some of the younger hires he's made. What's Coach Barney think of that? And then Danny Burke, uh, VEASAN Sports Network, Musburger's right-hand man i tell you what, Danny will lay it down for the weekend of wild-card action in the NFL. Elijah, Nebraska football is known and expected to have dudes on the offensive line. Nebraska football is expected to have backups come in and perform when called upon on the offensive line. And I think Nebraska has recruited at a high level at the offensive line. Uh, they have not developed <clears throat> at a high level on the offensive line. I think those two forces meet this off-season with the recruiting and the development coming together, and I think it's okay to be excited for Nebraska's offense with two experienced quarterbacks, an experienced running backs room, and now – Experience that have been a part of this football program on the offensive line. It's not gone the way that Teddy or Ben Hart or Turner or Nuri have wanted. But those guys have all played a lot of football, not necessarily Teddy, but we see what Teddy can be if he can stay healthy. And now you add in not just Scott at center with a season under his belt, but now Walter Rouse, 39 starts. A finalist for the academic Heisman uh, uh, some sort of biology major. Uh, it's it's not just regular old engineering. Biochemical engineering. Thank you. That equals S M A R T. Okay, that's that's what that means. He's a brilliant guy, and he's a grown up. And while you have Walter Rouse, that's got a, a bit of a shoulder issue he's got to work through. He'll be ready by training camp. He is an option at tackle. He's a guy that's from a pro-style run-first offense with Coach Shaw. And the one thing you know about Stanford is, despite the fact they've been down, they put guys in the league on the lines of scrimmage for the better part of that Harbaugh-to-Shaw transition. And that's going on 12 years. Uh, Stanford gets the smartest guys. Stanford gets uh, some of the biggest and best dudes on the line. Should their team be better? Yeah. Uh, but what is reality is Nebraska has a chance to get a guy like Walter Rouse to compete for a starting spot uh, to make options available for Coach Raiola and think about what type of lineup you can have Teddy, Turner Nuri Lutowski Piper, Scott and Walter Rouse any which way you want to shake it Uh, You have guys that have played tackle. Ben Hart's made 11 career starts. Is he a better guard? Let's see, right? You have that option now, perhaps. Turner Corcoran has played both tackle spots and a guard. Let him settle, be healthy, let him go kick ass at one of those spots. You have Scott, I'm going to pencil in at center, call me crazy. And then you have Rouse that can play either that left or right tackle spot, depending on where you're comfortable. I'm thinking left tackle. And then you've got a, a, a trio of guards and a guy that you can groom to back up Scott at center. Uh, all the while, Elijah, you can get the linemen you've recruited in the weight room and have a season to just get better. They're not freshmen, they're not redshirt freshmen being thrown in. You have options with guys that have started a lot of ball games in Lincoln and need to be better. And you have a couple of guys that have played well in the Pac-12 coming here. It, it's a monster win. And quite frankly, uh, very well targeted by Rule and the staff to go after uh, meat and potatoes. Guys on the line. Guys like Scott. Guys like Rouse on the line. It's not the skill guys Nebraska went portaling for a year ago, but it's on the line of scrimmage. It's kind of putting their money where their mouth is when they talk about the importance of line of scrimmage play. You've seen Rouse's film. Dude's built. He's a beast. He's six six. He's 220. He can move and he can fire off the ball. I'm not trying to give him a, a Lombardi already, but it's just a nice, nice high-level guy to add to this team, and you have a good offensive line. You're going to have a better offense. I think that's fair math.
3: And uh, I do want to clear up one thing I misspoke. Not biochemical engineering, biomechanical engineering. I don't know what the difference between those two are. All I know is it does mean, as you said... He's a smart kid. I mean, it's a Stanford degree, brother. That <laughs> you can say that again. <laughs> and what I'll say about Rouse in his film is, uh, there was something that I learned in the Journal Star article today that I did not see watching his film, and it kind of makes some things to check out. He was actually dealing with a shoulder injury all last season long. Had to undergo surgery at the end of the season. That's why he wants to come back and play another season of college football because he didn't feel like he lived up to his own standard. And. Um, That makes sense because what I saw on film from him is a guy who's got the tools. And you can say that about a lot of Nebraska's offensive linemen over the past couple years and about a lot of the guys they have within the program right now. They're toolsy guys. You hear that about baseball players and quarterbacks? They got the tools. They just got to put it together. I'd say the same about Rouse. I don't think he's ever quite lived up to the billing that he got whenever he was coming into college. Um, But 30-plus starts speaks for itself. I mean, you can say the same thing about some players at Nebraska over the past couple years where if, say... Turner Corker went into the transfer portal. Some other school out there would say, well, he's got 20 plus starts underneath his belt. He's got big 10 experience. That's a, that's a big piece. And the Husker fans who look at him say, well, yeah, he does have all those starts under his belt, but he's still got some things he needs to work on, but he's got the tools. I'd say the same about Rouse. He's got all these starts underneath his belt. It speaks to his quality as a football player that he was able to get all those starts, but there are still things that he needs to work on. I'm not sure he's a ready-made big 10 athlete right now. Could he be in a couple of months? Sure, with the strength and conditioning program, with the correct coaching. But he's a toolsy guy. He's got the tools. We'll see if he can put it together because I think that's kind of been the story of his career at Stanford. He's been good enough to start, but he's not been good enough to live up to that billing that he had whenever he was a recruit stepping foot on campus. He's got, as you mentioned, the ability to fire off and run block. He's got the ability to pass block. But I don't think whenever you look at what his frame is, his frame is an NFL offensive lineman. Yet he's never quite lived up to that billing during his time at Stanford. Could that be the pieces around him? Maybe. Could it be the coaching? Maybe. Um, you don't really know. I don't think he's quite lived up to the standard that Stanford fans expected whenever he came in there, but I'm not saying he's not a guy who's not going to start next year. That's very possible, but he's going to have to earn it because there are things in his game that I think he needs to work on. Specifically, uh, flexibility needs a little bit of work, which we've seen that with Husker offensive and in the past couple of years as well. Like He's going to fit right in with this room in terms of being a guy who – He comes in with all these starts, all this experience underneath his belt, got some things he needs to work on. But I think with the right coaching, with the right strength and development this offseason, during one offseason, he could step in and and be a starter come the fall. But I'm not saying he's good enough to do that right now. With that all being said, a very, very nice piece to add to this offensive line room. I think he's going to help out in some way, shape, or form, most likely on the field. But even if not, 39 starts underneath your belt is going to be a big help in terms of leadership, in terms of experience off the field.
2: It, it it's an option right mm-hmm. and, and it brings how many competition times, yeah well it's competition it's an option and if somebody's not getting it done Riolà can go and put somebody in give somebody else a shot and this isn't Y ball where I got to play every second quarter even though I shouldn't have been on the court this is go out go go make plays do your job and be able to run the football on third and two or inside the red zone. Okay. And with Nebraska, let's, let's just put this in pencil right now. As you look at the lineup, do you go with comes back healthy, wins the job, Rouse at left tackle? Do you put, or, or do you put, I mean, Teddy's got a lot to say about that. You put Teddy at left tackle, go Turner at left guard, Scott at center, you have Nuelli at right guard, and then at right tackle, you can go Turner. I've already said uh, – I've, I've said Turner twice. Forgive me, but you get my point uh, here. Teddy, look at Teddy this. I
3: think.
2: Yeah, you go Teddy left. Oh, t- Teddy Okay, here's how I see it. I'm, I'm going to lay yeah, it Teddy out. Yeah, Teddy left, and do and you put, uh, you put um, Rouse at right? Rouse at right? And then you have Turner. Or
3: Bryce could win that. I'm, 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 this is what I was kind of getting at with my point in that – I'm not ready to, to pencil him in as a starter just yet because he's got things to work on, but how I could see this line shaping up with Rouse's experiences on the left side, you can go Rouse left tackle, Nuri left guard, which in terms of run blocking is a very strong left side of your line. That's what both mm-hmm. of those guys excel at. You got Scott at center. Uh, you probably go a couple options at right guard, to, to be fair, three or four different guys. That's That spot's still up in the air, and then you have the, the option between uh, Teddy and Bryce at right tackle.
2: Um, That's kind of that's kind of how it's. Teddy's played mainly left, so he'd have to learn right. Not that he can't, but he's he's been at left and and that's where he's Or or do you give Teddy a year coming off a
3: a, another knee injury to you know what? Sit behind a guy who's got all this experience in the Pac twelve and rouse learn some things from him, be a competent backup because More often than not, in the Big Ten with the rigors of the season, your number is going to be called as a backup, left tackle, or anywhere on the offensive line. At some point during the season, it could be a series, it could be a game, it could be a couple of games. Your number will get called. Do you leave Teddy back there to, you know what, get another year of maturation underneath your belt? You haven't really gotten that since you've been on campus. Focus on on your craft. Focus on getting bigger in the weight room during the season. Step in when we need you, and then you're going to be our starter next year. That's a very real possibility with what could be going on with Teddy. All I know is what this move brings Donovan Ralea, as you said, it brings experience, it brings options, and it brings competition. There will be competition in this offensive line. I wouldn't say there's a single spot along the offensive line, barring maybe Scott, but he's a transfer in. But, I, I mean, pretty much there's not going to be a, a spot along the offensive line that I don't think whoever gets that spot isn't going to have to earn and isn't going to have to go beat out other people for. And I can't say the same about the offensive line last year.
2: Well, and it's not only do you have to earn it and win it, but you got to hold on to it. Right. I mean, you got to hold on to that spot. That's key. And what I what I don't want easier for me to sit here and say is I want if I'm a Nebraska fan, I want everybody to stay in that room. You may not win a job, but it doesn't mean you're not going to get a few series. It doesn't mean you're not going to get a chance to improve your game. And from a offensive mindset, identity standpoint, work as a unit together in the room a second year with Coach Raiola, but really a first year, to be fair, with Raiola, in my opinion, having a, a voice that will be heard on offense with the coordinator and Satterfield's vision uh, of playing smash-mouth football and what, what Rule wants to do, the incorporation of a, of a running quarterback, more of a dual threat on offense Um, we'll talk to brandon vogel coming up here get his penciling in of who could go where on the offensive line because it's quite frankly a nice problem to have for the first time in a while competent options for nebraska at the tackle spots be it teddy or rouse or ben hart or turner corcoran i mean those are four bodies that have played a lot of football, three of the four have played a lot of football, Teddy being the guy that uh, beyond injury has shown a high level and a high ability. You have a plethora of guards to choose, and then you need someone to, to be a swing tackle. You also need someone to be a backup center, assuming Scott doesn't, assuming Scott does win the job. So you can be excited about your offensive line prospects for Nebraska and the targeting that's gone in on where they go in the portal. And those offensive line guys with experience are gold, and uh, you hope they hit as well as uh, the skill guys did last year with a Thompson and a Palmer. Brandon Vogel checks in. We'll hear from both coaches that spoke today. Hail Varsity with you on a Thursday presented by Currency. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies, expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office. Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer-facing. It's casual dress. And the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at FSCEdge.com.
1: And now, and now
2: back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hail Varsity Radio presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. For all your football needs and basketball baseball hoops hail varsity magazine get that subscription get the digital bundle hail dot com backslash offer managing editor with hail varsity brandon vogel joining us from his palatial football office vogues what's the uh, what's the logo on the camo hat man
4: uh it's just uh artifact bag company out of omaha so maker of fine bags and hats
2: rich mahogany and plush leather too i would assume
4: actually their bags do have very uh rich rich leather i guess maybe we'll combine the two
2: <laughs> how about vogel with the free shot out here <laughs> oh i just uh, yeah Vogue's has a sweet hat about every uh every appearance so i had to <laughs> had to ask about that so elijah and i were, were trying to to get our, our not ink but pencil out and uh and and right out the starting five of the offensive line with the uh, the addition of uh, Walter Rouse. A w- lot to ground to cover here with the, the two assistants talking and Kevin Warren off to your Chicago Bears. But I want to start with Rouse and get your take here on, I guess, uh, the, the Brandon Vogel starting five here, way, way before spring ball even starts. Um, how... Uh, How much has the radar uh, increased here on what the O-line potential could be for you?
4: Yeah. Um, I mean, Rouse pretty big get uh, in terms of the experience, thinking about a perspective starting five there. Uh, Honestly, I might feel the best about two of the the transfers uh, in terms of slotting them in Rouse. I would guess I would put him maybe at left tackle to start though. He can play right. Um, And maybe Scott at center. I mean, center's the one where Nebraska obviously has kind of a a hole to fill, Mm -hmm. one-to-one. So I think Scott makes a lot of sense there. Rouse at tackle. Nebraska has plenty of options there with returning players. Um, Hasn't quite seen the results, so it wouldn't be a surprise to me at all if, if Rouse, with the amount he played at Stanford, honorable mention all conference, took one of those tackle spots. Uh, you get new Wheely back, uh, at guard. I think I would pencil him in if I had to at one of those spots. And really that's about as much as I kind of feel good about, um, you'd have a number of options then at, for, for right guard. And we'll call it right tackle for, for lack of a better term. Um, maybe it would put Corcoran on top at right right tackle. Yeah, right guard, I think, feels pretty open. Um also, you know, another thing with thinking about the offensive line, being year one, being under a new staff, like it's it's tough to go young up there. But you look at looking at the roster the other day and and two of those freshmen, Katula and Newt said, are both listed at three hundred pounds already. Um like they're Walter Rouse size right now. Uh, if you know, we'll, we'll see what it looks like when they show up and by the time you get through all of off season and into fall camp. But if you're going to play early uh, on the O line kind of year one and a coaching change year, uh, is, is probably the prime time to do that. I wouldn't say it's likely, but it does feel like it's not outside the realm of possibility.
3: Brandon Vogel's with us here on hail varsity radio in Vogues, I didn't get a chance to say this last segment, but I'm going to say it now because it's something that's been on my mind. And that's that the the return of Nuridine Nuelli, I think, is more important than either of the two transfer portal additions in Scott and Rousley so far. With what he brought, a stabilizing force at left guard two seasons ago. The Huskers, I, I feel like, definitely missed him last year with as much rotation as there was at left guard spot. And I think he may have even flown under the radar his first season at Nebraska. Is that a fair assessment that, you know what? the return of of could be more important than anyone they could get in the transfer portal.
2: I don't know if
4: it's more important, but I think it's in the discussion. And I think it's, it's a lot harder to look at that and say, Hey, don't, don't miss this piece of it. Cause I agree with you. I think it was pretty important um, <clears throat> looking at how that, that line performed this past year. You know, that's not all due to his absence, but I think it was, it was a factor. And, you know, with his situation, I still think back to, like, how he personally handled that, putting that information out of, like, hey, this was my mistake. Um, And, like, I think you're going to have a pretty hungry player who is ready to come back and, you know, showed those flashes early on to even get that job and then keep it in 2021 you're going to have a hungry player. And I think you're going to see that by the time we get to get to the games in the fall. And I think
3: a factor that some people may forget is the fact that he spent all last football season, not having to deal with injuries throughout the rigors of a big 10 season. It was just weight room and practice field for him all season long, working on his craft. I feel like we might see a a new and improved version of him that uh, again, after missing all last year might fly under the radar up until week one.
4: Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, You know, yeah, you always you always hope you can make it through the off season without, without injuries anywhere um, and that would that would certainly be one where you hope you, you avoid that because like you said, the, you do have that benefit of he could he had all of the time to focus on whatever he needed to focus on, whether that was strength, whether that was technique, um, some combination thereof, I'm sure. so it's um, it's a pretty pretty ideal circumstances I think for getting him back.
2: Brandon Vogel joins us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter's where you follow him. Vogel's uh, early impression here of EJ Barthel and, and Evan Cooper, they both spoke today. Uh, they have kept up the, uh, well, the the energy uh, tag that has been associated with uh, much of Coach Rule's staff.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I was pretty excited to hear from these two in tandem specifically you know barthel kind of an interesting story coming coming over from yukon like yukon had a really good season and out of nowhere season and but still you know a lot of the college football landscape isn't paying a lot of attention to yukon until they they have to um so that was kind of a, a little bit of an off the radar pick at least for me when i when i was thinking about it and that's always intriguing and you know he, he came across to to me as a, a really measured and engaging likable uh coach and <clears throat> i kind of expected that for from cooper he was probably the assistant i was most excited to hear about based on the things that we we're reading and seeing from him in the lead up to this point and uh, he definitely checked all those those boxes for me he's he's a little bit wry uh, you can tell that the bind is always kind of kind of going and when he says you know things like he likes to to grind film but he also loves recruiting but he also loves thinking about it from a draft perspective like it's it's easy for that to come across in in his words uh, which isn't always the case you know with with coaches or just people in general so i was if i was a recruit I, i i was buying from from both of those guys and that was just based on a press conference
3: Folks, is it fair to say that these two coaches are, are probably the two that walk into Nebraska with the most talent already in their room? You can make an argument for linebackers as well, but when you look at each side of the ball, it really feels like secondary and running back are, have the most returning talent of any of the position groups on the team.
4: Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, you know, one of the things that, that stuck out about EJ's time at the podium <clears throat> as he was kind of running through and making sure he he had something to say about Uh, each of the running backs, you know, when he mentioned Ramir Johnson, a player he knew prior to to Nebraska, he mentioned elite speed, which, you know, we know Ramir's fast. I don't know if, like, based on what we've seen from him at Nebraska, that would have been the first thing to come out of my mouth. So that certainly kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit with him. Um, Made me think, you know, hey, this is a guy who knew him before before getting to Lincoln. Uh, He's been somebody we've kind of heard is, like, on his way, on his way, uh, didn't see it this year, which I think was the year we expected to see it most. So maybe 2023 will be the season where where Mir finally gets a little bit more of a role. And then you know Cooper talking about the the secondary that one surprised me less because of, I I agree, like I think there is NFL talent there, and I do think it's a good range of kind of player types, player sizes. Um, and and a good mix of of experience and and young talent so wasn't surprised at all there you know if if we had to choose one or the other I'm probably taking the secondary as you know maybe a little a little ahead in that race but it's close
2: Vogues couple minutes here Kevin Warren his time as commissioner Uh, what do you remember most do you remember the addition or the let's pause
4: (laughs) um uh i think the addition is going to have to to be the the top line uh, the the headline for for whatever kevin kevin warren retrospective i'm I'm writing in in the big 10 i'm not planning to write one but if if i were that's that's it it's it's that plus the the new big 10 deal i mean we knew the big 10 was going to get was going to get it money somewhere somehow that one's a little bit more kind of, we'll, we'll, see how it goes. Um, you know, the big 10 is getting its money, <clears throat> not going to be on ESPN, which is, you know, interesting. So we'll see how that plays out. I think for a lot of people, maybe those, you know, who aren't Nebraska fans who may take the, Hey, remember when you paused football and <laughs> everyone here hated it. Um, in your, your first <laughs> couple of months on the job, um, I think how that Big Ten deal shakes out um, from a non-monetary standpoint, from a, you know, attention and, and all of those things piece of it will go a long way to kind of retroactively defining that, that war in tenure in the Big Ten.
3: Yeah, folks, I think you make a good point. I think as of right now, that the, the COVID handling may loom larger than it will in 10 years. That may just be a, a footnote on the Wikipedia page. But when you look at this move to the Chicago Bears, Feels like a bit of a weird move, I except to get into the NFL, but it feels weirdly almost lateral with with money and attention and, and whatnot. Do you think that he's eventually, you know, trying to angle his way in and be the guy to replace Roger Goodell? Is that the that end game here for Kevin Warren trying to make a move like this?
4: I think it could be. Um because I would agree in terms of like prestige maybe there's not much difference either way in terms of power. You know, you're running one of the two most powerful conferences in college mm-hmm. athletics. Uh, so maybe edge Big Ten on that one, to be honest. But, I, you know, I, I kind of – my read on that was you know, he came from the NFL. He might just be an NFL guy. And, and when he came in um, with the pandemic shutdowns and having to deal with that, renegotiate the TV deal uh the the beginning of NIL the transfer portal becoming what it is it is today it was this really shifting landscape in just those 3 years that that Warren had in the Big 10 um so if he came in to that to that Big 10 job thinking okay this is you know I'm I'm ready to take a crack at this you get into those waters and they may not have been the, well, they definitely weren't the waters you were totally expecting mm-hmm. Uh, going back to the NFL, it's a little bit more, you know what to expect.
2: Brandon Vogel with us here on Hale Varsity. At Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter, his book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, and read him with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Vogues will check in Saturday morning. Thanks for giving us a few minutes, Bud. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys.
1: Chime in, 402. 466-ESPN or email the show chris at halevarsity.com Just
2: try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Brandon Vogel. Be sure to get the podcast with Hale Varsity Radio. can watch the show on uh, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, but also Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, all three platforms and your friends at Heard Ant that uh, give you the option here, full show or different individualized segments. So we appreciate uh, you subscribing, telling a buddy, and always the, the feedback is uh, much appreciated, uh, good, bad, or ugly. Uh, we like it. We'll spend a minute here on Commissioner Warren. It's official as he is off to the Chicago Bears. couple, three thoughts on my end. One, why? Why do you leave the Big Ten And probably three to four million dollars a year for one of 32 franchises in the NFL. Uh, Vogues hit on it. You came from the NFL, I believe. He was with the Vikings for quite a while, so maybe it's just more of a comfort level for him. You've got chancellors and presidents you got to answer to in the Big Ten, and it's the academic and athletic world that collides. Well, it is the corporate world. And it is a monster business, the best and biggest business in sports. It's at least business in sports versus academics in sports. And sometimes the cheese and wine crowd and the jocks don't play nice together. So maybe he's just tired of it. He had a thankless job of who he had to replace because you had the godfather, man. You had Don Corleone and Commissioner Delaney who was always eight steps ahead of everything and everybody in the world of sports, from TV deals to expansion and positioning the Big Ten for excellence. Uh, And then you saw a run of coaches coming to the Big Ten towards the last seven to ten years of Delaney's tenure. Uh, I think, I don't want to say he was forced out. I don't know that, but it feels like, dude, I'm sick of this. Let me jump back to a landing spot I know and am familiar with and maybe i can angle for the commissioner's job with goodell but i i don't know that he's a guy because people are going to point back to and go i told you so here with COVID and the pandemic it's not that he was necessarily wrong with pausing play it's that he was the first to be wrong Mm. when there was zero communication with the other power five conferences the Big Ten and the Pac-12 thought they were going to show their brain off and their sensitivity in a crazy moment in the in, in our history with the pandemic while two, two, or the, two or three of the other leagues weren't ready to say, say, let's shut it down. You look foolish having to retrace and then restart and not even consult some of your, your power brokers within your own league because Ohio State, Michigan, Nebraska were all freaking out about it the fact that there was going to be no football. And he didn't do a good job putting out the fire of resentment and reaction. So I think things could have been communicated and handled better. As far as the TV deal, look, he didn't screw it up. He got everybody paid in the, in, in the Big Ten, and he got the Big Ten to go coast to coast. UCLA and USC are going to be monster properties to have. They needed to go somewhere, at least you got them. Never landed Notre Dame. Not his fault, but at least uh, that would have been one more get uh, monster get. But listen, it'll work. Vogel's point, Elijah, about SC—I should say about not being on ESPN—is is something to think about. I don't want to—I don't want to waste too much time on Warren because I think a lot of Nebraska fans are, you know, wa- you know, dusting their hands off here. Wish him well. Never disliked the guy. He was always friendly enough to me when, and, and this is in line for a cup of coffee at Iowa City. This is in the... He's friendly enough. I hope he does well. It just... There's um, there's some, some, some stains on his tenure, but it was a monster tenure to follow mm-hmm. that was not fair. You're following the legend of Jim Delaney. I'll just
3: say, I think that history will look more kindly upon Kevin Warren 10 years from now. As I said, same thing to Vogel. I think... Whenever you look at what he was brought in as commissioner to do, it's easier to see now with the benefit of hindsight. He expanded the conference, added two major, major programs in USC and UCLA. He negotiated the next TV rights deal. He set up the Big Ten for the future. A little unfortunate. The timing of COVID, how he's a new guy on the job, uh, less than six months of on-the-job training, and now COVID has thrown a wrench into all the Big Ten's plans, what they wanted with Kevin Warren. The timing wasn't great. The handling wasn't great. I think he learned lessons from that in terms of listening to your member institutions. You can't be as heavy-handed as a commissioner uh, in in college football as you were as a, a president in the NFL. So I think that was a learning lesson for him. I think he came back from that. I think he accomplished what he was brought in to accomplish as Big Ten commissioner now. The Big Ten's fine to see him go I think he came in did what he was supposed to do got a little another point on his resume in terms of building his resume up to what I assume and I don't think it's crazy to think that he is trying to angle towards being the NFL commissioner someday, at least someone really high up in that office I think that's his end goal here got another piece in his resume he can say hey I successfully led the Big Ten through COVID through expansion through a, a changing college football world negotiated a new TV rights deal jump back in the NFL now he's gonna oversee the the moving of the Chicago Bears from the historic soldier field to a new stadium. That's going to be another feather in the cap for Kevin Warren as he moves through his career. I think he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish in the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten member institutions got what they wanted out of Kevin Warren. I think the timing is right for him to move on. Husker fans, I don't think are sad, but I think you can say, you know what, Kevin Warren, you did a, a fine job bringing in two new schools in USC and UCLA. You did a fine job negotiating a new TV rights deal. I think... Aside from COVID, he was the right person for the right time for the Big Ten. But I think as you move forward with the Big Ten, it might even be best for both parties that there is a movement here. Kevin Warren can go back and continue his career movement. And the Big Ten can bring in somebody that now you don't have to worry about expansion and about TV rights, at least for a couple of years. You can focus on the conference itself. And uh, it, it, the timing is, is fine with me. I, I have no hard feelings uh, on Kevin Warren. And I have no strong feelings that he is leaving either. It seems to just be convenient that this timing of, of everything seemed to have worked out and now it makes sense for both parties to move in a different direction.
2: I really think he wanted to pursue more expansion and I think that got shut down and if he thinks it's in the best interest to go after a Washington and an Oregon for example, there were some murmurs of that uh, a few weeks back and he got shut down either by members in the school and uh, there was a disagreement there. Maybe he just says, look, dude, I'm out. Thanks for your time. But, yeah, we spent a lot of time on, on Commissioner Warren. And I think uh, the Big Ten would be wise to go get a, a TV executive mm. uh, because that is the name of the game. It's not what was just signed and watching the ink dry for $1.5 But it's the next round after a, a few years here of Uh, 12 team playoff whether that continues to expand or how lucrative that can become let's hear a little bit here from some of Nebraska's assistants let's sneak in a couple of comments from Nebraska's secondary coach Evan Cooper and out of the gate the the why part right you have to tell kids why Uh, we all wonder why and Cooper explained why he came to Nebraska and wanted to be
5: with uh, Coach Rule again me and Coach Rule pretty close and um, I've probably been talking through him, to him throughout the entire uh, process, and uh, I just told him when he's ready for me, we'll hop on the jet and we'll go. And uh, he said, well, how about tomorrow? And we hopped on the jet, and the rest is history. That was six weeks ago. Was, the rest is history.
2: Pretty impressive. A little bit more here from Coach Coop uh, when it comes to recruiting, eyeing talent, and that he is just a guy that, that loves all parts of football that is scouting that is development and uh, that is research Well, wind down hour one hail varsity continues we are presented by currency
4: like what you hear high quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at hail varsity i'm brandon vogel managing editor i wanted to offer listeners of the hail varsity radio show podcast ten dollars off the price of an annual subscription that means that you can get everything we do 10 issues of our monthly magazine our annual football yearbook and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code gbr for ten dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe promo code gbr
1: and now and now
2: back to hail varsity radio one final time this first hour, it's Halebar City Radio presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, find and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore Radio Chris Schmidt. That's me at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal as uh, we will check in with Gary Barnett coming up here in about 10 minutes. We'll uh, hear from E.J. Barthel, the uh, new running backs coach here. Around 5.20 or so, Daddy Burke checks in at 5.40. From VEASAN Sports Network, get you the wild card weekend playoff picks. A little bit more here from Evan Cooper and the trust. There's uh, an abundance of trust with Rule, his hire, his guys on this coaching staff, young and old. And uh, more from coach cooper here as to why rule
5: trust him and uh, his recruiting process we have really like minds we have the same type when it comes to like people and players and talent levels uh it's really easy for me to be honest because just the program and the way that we push the kids really i just need to find the kids with the talent to be able to do it and they don't they don't always have to look exactly how they you know how people think they should look but if they have the talent, the necessary skills, um, the program will kind of push them to be great, you know. In the classroom and on the field, the field will take care of itself. Like we just ask them to do a lot of hard stuff, you know, be temper centers, and so it's really easy for me. And I'm, I'm I kind of feel like I cheated because I got this reputation, and I just, I just learned it all from coach. So, yeah.
2: A little bit more on how this recruiting class came together because, Elijah, that's been a a major wow factor locally and, honestly, nationally, where they started, who they retained, who they've added in the portal, and then the work they did from coast to coast uh, all over the country to to land a top
5: 25 recruiting class, cut five. So a lot of sleep is nice, a lot of film. And, um, well, coach is probably always going to start at home so a couple of the people that you – or coach had referenced from our own backyard. So we want to make sure that we don't let those guys – the worst thing is when you see all these All-Americans and All-Conference guys and NFL guys from your own backyard and you missed them or you didn't do whatever, you didn't do your homework or even you, you got out-recruited sometimes. That's probably the worst thing. Uh, so it started there. I just tried to hit the ground running with the local guys and then work myself – work my way out. But, yeah, a lot of sleep is nice, you know, coach – Calling me, me calling coach, you just constant communication about it. And, again, I know, I know what he's looking for. I know what's been successful in one of his programs, so it's kind of easy. He's uber confident with the
2: um, hand in glove here, Elijah, with knowing rules, expectations, his wants, what works, because he's been a part of it, and it's, it feels seamless. Still got to go do it on the field. But as far as the personnel they want to get it's um yeah it it's a it's a same target here and, and i th- I, think, th-
3: I think it's interesting we're a little short on time here Schmitty, so sure. I just want to paraphrase what point I think you're gonna bring up which is he's talking about why he has an eye for talent and that was mm-hmm. one of the most insightful things where he's like Growing up, I just come from a football family. My my grandma knows football. My mom knows football. My aunt knows football. My dad knows football. My uncle knows football. Everyone knows football. And growing up, I wanted to be just like Mel Kiper. I thought that that was very insightful. Of like, you know, I grew up doing scouting reports and I was eight years old. The guys I watched on TV, and it just came seamlessly whenever I came into coaching. That like one of my passions seemed to fit perfectly with this profession. I thought that was super super interesting. Of like. A kid, he didn't dream of being a football player growing up. He wanted to be like Mel Hyper, oh. like the guy on TV. I'm going to have
2: Mel's hair, and I'm going to put a suit on, and I'm going to be hammering during draft day. And, and he knows what to look for in a future pro. That's big. Gary Barnett with us to, to kick off Hour 2 on Hale Varsity. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards.
3: Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal
2: Back with you, Tower Two. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency, and we say hi to Hall of Fame Coach Gary Barnett as he is enjoying the sunshine and, Coach. Dare I say, uh, putting greens that are a little too fast for you?
6: Well, it just depends, you know. But uh, yeah, a little too fast right now. I'm not playing very well, so I'm struggling. So
2: hey, but you're playing. I- I need, to-
6: need to find something else to do.
2: I doubt that. Uh, I think you uh, you're still really pretty good on um, on the old golf course, Coach. Just a, a tough tough way to end for for TCU. Let us start there, and Georgia with a, an exclamation point. That's too bad. Great semifinals, not so much the championship game.
6: Yeah, no, it's and you know TCU would. Uh they'd been rolling dice all year. They'd fallen behind seven different times and, uh, came back each time, but it, it wasn't like coming back against Georgia. And so it was, you know, they didn't play anybody like Georgia. And so when, when it, when it came time to do it, they just couldn't do it. And, uh, they were a little outmatched and, you know, you can, you can glean a lot from that game and everybody who has an opinion will. And, uh, you know, you you take one team that's been built on transfers and another team that's been built from the inside up, and uh, you wonder in the long run uh, whether that's that's the future, you know, whether that's going to always be that way, that you can get yourself there with transfers. But I don't know if you can win it all. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see. But But, you know, there's a school of thought that leans in that direction, and I'm not sure. But three of the four teams that went into the championship game were all built from the inside up, and uh, so. But they also traditionally get the best players, no matter what. So it's not hard to do.
2: Well, that that's a fair point, and you you got to retain your talent so you can watch the talent flourish or develop that talent, and then have the depth. That's what blew me away, Coach Barnett, was the the freshmen that were that were championship level ready. The big old bear, right, on the defensive line for Georgia. Just as one example that comes to mind that Georgia's got really good guys that are young, but they're not forced to to play they're young pups, if they do play a young guy, it's because he's really good and, and ready, and George is, was just able to do line change after line change, defensively at least.
6: Well, they were, and the other thing is, those weren't freshmen anymore. Right? Those were technically sophomores, and so, um, you know, those the, the great teams like that, they don't only just recruit well, they develop well. And uh, we, we can say all we want out there about five stars and four stars or whatever star it's the coaches and programs that develop those stars that make a difference and they're the ones that are sustainable and they're the ones who are sitting there at the end of the year on top and um, it's a formula it's hard to follow it's hard to get fans sometimes to follow that Uh, that's the, the instant gratification the development the whole just the thought of development isn't a popular item with with many fans. So it's you know, it's 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 an inside deal and, and you just gotta do it on the inside and not worry about it.
2: Gary Barnett with a Sale Varsity Radio. Coach, what, what do you think of, of Kirby Smart, how he's settled in and, and kind of what he's doing uh, with the, the Georgia program. Is Georgia the best job in college football? You mean Alabama East? Um,
6: <laughs> y- y- I, you know, it, it, it probably is because of the recruiting base and not that Alabama's is in it much different. Than yeah. Me. But, um, you know, it's um, it might be the best. I don't know whether, you know, access to, a, to like, Atlanta makes it better. Um, we always felt like that helped us at Northwestern was access to the city. Mm-hmm. But... <clears throat> I don't know. It, it, it both of those jobs are excellent. And, and Kirby's, you know, he's he's learned well and he's put his spin on it and his way of doing things and it's uh you know, it's it's a great job right now and uh, you know, it's going to be hard to beat those guys next year.
2: They are are loaded up. When you look at Georgia, where do they rank for you as far as uh, best teams you've seen? And who is the best college football team that that you've uh, either gone up against or or seen from the analyst chair?
6: Well, I think uh, there's three teams that really stand out to me. One is the uh, 2001 Miami team, Mm -hmm. which beat you guys and all the draftees on that team. I think um, the LSU team, uh, a couple years ago, 19, was about as good a team as you could find. Uh, and then I'd say this Georgia team. I mean, you, you can't go back-to-back and win 65-7 to without saying that is one heck of a football team. So, I mean, those three teams stand out to me right away.
2: The Miami team was incredible. That was uh, not a good Rose Bowl for Nebraska. LSU with the the guys that are doing the work in the NFL – in nineteen, make a ton of sense. That defense wasn't bad either. This Georgia team, uh, Nebraska's run in, in the mid nineties was up there as well. With um, just how how high level, and you look at the draft picks and the depth, and you know, uh, I you know, I guess I'm going to ask you this: what what would the game have been like with the 0-1 Buffs versus the 0-1 Canes?
6: You know, it's hard to say because. We mentally were so – I mean, we were – instead of taking out our despair on Oregon, Mm -hmm. we chose to feel sorry for ourselves. And so I don't know what kind of effort we would have gotten. I I know we were jacked up to play. We wanted Mm -hmm. to be in that game. We we knew that it was – you know, we knew it was going to be close as to whether we got in or not. So it's hard to say uh but that Miami team was really good and and we were really good as well but we'll never know and uh but but I know our guys would have been really up for that game as opposed to the game they they played
2: mm-hmm. Gary Barnett with the Salvar Varsity Radio coach uh, a thought you see uh, all the Pac 12 ball you, you can Nebraska able to add a couple of different Pac 12 players Scott the center and uh Walter Rouse Rouse an offensive tackle four year guy for for coach Shaw and uh at one point a, a freshman all american do you remember much about Rouse does he stick out to you
6: yeah i do uh and he's he's a really good player and you know what happens is you spend your four years you get your degree you just little you know you want a different environment and you're a, you're a, you're an age where um you're you know, you don't really hang out with the freshmen and the sophomores. <laughs> you're you're an older guy. You need to go see the world. And so that's why that move gets made. But it's a great move for Nebraska. Uh, getting the kid from uh, Arizona State, because of his experience, has got to be a good move. I don't remember him as well, mm-hmm. but I do remember the kid from uh, Stanford.
2: It's a big get, and... With, with jeff Sims also at quarterback uh he's battled some injuries he was thrown in pretty early at georgia Tech and i think they were making a transition from an option offense to a to more of a spread look so with the surrounding talent you wonder how if it was square ground hole but you know with with Sims the the question with him is accuracy i think he's got a good deep ball and and he's really talented runner if he can stay healthy you know coach um there's a lot of additions going on here with coach rule an interesting uh, mailbag with with andy staples going on uh when it comes to, to year one turnarounds uh we talked a little bit about that with nebraska and and, and where they can go under rule but uh you know the quarterback spot in the offensive line. As you look at Nebraska's offensive line, these additions got to be good, and it uh, it can really help form an identity. And coach, really, we don't know if Nebraska's had much of an identity the last few years on offense. They've not been able to hang their head on anything.
6: Well, and and that's true. Uh, but you know, you're getting a a, a group of experienced coaches. Uh, you're getting guys who work together, you're getting, um, you know, you're getting a situation where people are used to high level uh, teams that they're playing and used to high level uh, coaching. So, you know, it, it, all this is going to work out well for Nebraska. They're, they're going to be formidable, you know, they're going to be better. And, you know, what rule, what coach rules identity is going to be, we'll just have to wait mm-hmm. and see what it is. But, um, you know, I know they were very physical on defense at, at Baylor and, uh, uh, balanced on offense. So my guess is they're going to do just fine.
2: What do you make a Garrett McGuire? Do you know much about him? He's uh young that got hired as the receivers coach for Nebraska. He wasn't Carolina. And of course he's Joey McGuire's son.
6: Yeah. I don't know much about him at all. So it's, uh, you know, but if, uh, my guess is if Matt thought he was, he was the guy, then he's the guy. So, you know, he'll do a good job. I'm sure.
2: Did you have reservations about hiring young? What was your, or did you just hire the best? didn't matter the age.
6: No, I always wanted a smattering a little bit, you know, I didn't, I didn't mind how young or old they were in the offensive line for sure. And, um, I, uh, same thing in the secondary, you know, I, I didn't need a young guy in the secondary. I need somebody who's got some scars on him. And so, uh, you know, so that didn't bother me. Linebackers same way, but I didn't really, it, you know, age was never an issue to me. I wanted the best fit and the best
2: coach. Did you know right away, coach Fitz, Cause he worked for you. Did you know right away Fitz, He was going to be able to go from player to coach, or was he already just a, a coach that, that had a helmet on?
6: He was a coach with a helmet on. He was that way. I told our, our guys and after a two-a-day practice in his sophomore year, I said, you're going to all go somewhere else to coach someday. You're going to want Pat Fitzgerald coaching for you because you know he just had the knack. He just You could just, you know, the way he did things, the way he observed things, the way he thought, uh, he just had it, and you knew it right away.
2: Gary Barnett with us, Hall of Fame coach, Hale, Varsity Radio. How has uh, the week been locally and nationally with uh, Coach Prime? I know he was on the set for the national title game. How do you think that went?
6: Well, I I think he's just drumming up a lot of interest. and Everybody has got Colorado. Everybody talks about Colorado on every sports talk show for the most part, or they did. I'm sure it's waning down a little bit. But, you know, all of a sudden we're relevant, or at least – people know where we are and who we are. Uh, you know, he's picked up 20 transfers along with 15 signees and just got another one today. So he's at 21 and I'm not sure how all those numbers work, but uh, uh, he's turned over the roster completely. Now he hasn't turned them over with guys like uh, you just picked up from, you know, from with Stanford.
2: With Rouse. Yeah.
6: Yeah. And so, and you're getting guys that played at a lower level, but, um, the roster's different than it was, and it needed to be different. So he's accomplished that, I think, at this point in time.
2: Okay, I'm going to ask you this uh, with, with Harbaugh, because, I mean, I'm hearing both sides that he's going to end up staying at Michigan, or, okay, Carolina's in the mix, uh, there's Denver, but, I'll, but you know, Cald, Caldwell's also interviewed for that job. I know you have friends in Denver Uh, Would you consider the the, the Denver gig, or do you think it's too big a hill to climb with the the, the draft pick situation?
6: Oh, you know, Chris, I don't think about it that much. I think Harbaugh is a good choice for Denver. Mm -hmm. Uh, As much for the quarterback situation as anything, I think he's one of the few guys that can go to, because he's already been there and successful at that level. He can go from college again, back into that level. And I think do fine. everybody that I know that worked for him at San Francisco really liked him. Mm -hmm. Uh, He didn't have to worry about what he said in the press. You know, nobody was watching him like they do now. Uh, You know, the whole NIL deal and all the things are going on in college football. He doesn't have to put up with that. Mm -hmm. Now, Whether he's a right fit or not, it it would seem like it would be to get somebody experienced rather than take another chance on another first-time coach. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, Denver's done that three times in a row, and that hasn't worked out very well.
2: How close were you ever heading to the NFL? Were you?
6: Um, I was close enough to interview and be in a position to probably accept a position, but it didn't take me long to realize that I just, that's not who I was. Mm-hmm. And I knew it going into the interviews. But I, you know, I sort of had an obligation to at least look and talk. Who? But, but, but uh, you know, I, I, I wanted to be with 18 and eighteen to 22-year-old mm-hmm. guys. That, that's who I am.
2: Who did you interview with? NFL. Well, let's
6: just keep that
2: private. <laughs> <laughs> I got 32 guesses. Uh, I'm kidding. Gary, Gary, yeah. <laughs> Gary Barnett with us. Coach, you take care, and thanks for a few minutes today.
6: All right, Chris. Good to be with you.
2: Good stuff from Coach Barnett, Hale, of Bar City Radio. We'll hear more from two Nebraska's new assistant, C.J. Barthel. We will hear from him. Met the media earlier today. A little more from Coach Evan Cooper. Hale Varsity continues presented by Currency. dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hail backslash subscribe promo code gbr
1: and now and
2: now back to hail varsity radio thanks for spending time hail varsity continues on a thursday presented by currency for all your equipment financing needs go currency Chris Schmidt, elijah herbal uh, appreciate Coach Gary Barnett stopping by on the show tomorrow. Bill Dolman will join us. Uh, Brady Altman's Jacob Padilla, the tag team from HaleVarsity.com and magazine. And then a uh, Jeremiah Searles signing. He'll get a sent for the playoff weekend. Reminder to get buckled up, hands on the wheel, eyes and mind. Straight ahead, the driver has one job to drive a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So we'll hear a little bit more from E.J. Barthel, Coach Evan Cooper, just a quick reset on those two position groups. Of course, Nebraska has plenty in the running back room, and Elijah, a lot of talent in that secondary that needed to be retained, and that was step one. That was step one for both of these coaches. Go do your your thing on the recruiting trail, uh, to to get the the 2023 20, kids locked in but keep a really solid group of guys with experience and talent in each room and you look at some of the names and players you have in that running back room um you, you have Grant and of course um uh AJ the, Allen uh, the yeah AJ Allen and then Ramirez then Ramirez is back and there's there's history from the Jersey region with, uh, with uh, of course, Barthel and and, uh, and Ramirez. So uh, a lot there. Uh, you have Hartsog to, to keep around and, and Newsom also inking that NIL deal. Both those guys were solid and some safety options that it looks like will stick and stay. You're, you're waiting on Miles Farmer to play his best football. I think he can be a, a definite playmaker. So uh, Nebraska has guys that have plenty of, of experience Can they take their game to a higher and another level under these two new coaches?
3: It's going to be interesting to see how the, the coaches and the players get along during spring football. As you said, there's talent in the room, but it's not a given that these coaches coming are going to be the best fit for these guys on the field. You, you would hope so. You would hope that these guys are able to be the, the best fit for the, uh, the players that they are inheriting, but that's not necessarily the case. So I think we're, we might see some movement post-spring just in that sense where you realize, you know what, I've made it through 15 practices and uh, it's not that I don't like Nebraska. It's not that I don't like being a part of this team. It's just I, I think there could be someone else out there that understands me better and can coach me better. So that's something to watch. But that's why it's a learning process, not only for these coaches with what they're inheriting, but the players as well. I mean, I guess I said that backwards. The players have to learn it's new schemes, what these new coaches' styles are. But the coaches have to learn what players they have and not what's on film. They've seen what's on film. But once you get on a practice field, things change a little bit. What can this guy do that he hasn't put on film? It's it's learning process both ways. And uh, as I was talking about with Vogel last hour, I think these are the two coaches we heard from today that have inherited the most talent in terms of returning production. So let's see what they can do with it.
2: Let's uh, wrap up here a little bit with uh, Coach Evan Cooper, uh, specifically here uh, with the uh, the portal and inheriting, we'll start with uh, cut eight, the portal, and then finish up here with uh, inheritance. Here,
5: uh, this is Nebraska's secondary coach uh, Evan Cooper. It's always the same formula: bring in guys that you think fit you, fit you your 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 type. You know, fit the program, the good guys, the good the guys that fit you personality-wise. Work ethic-wise, it's always the same. It's just a lot easier now because of the portal. and You have a bigger pool to choose from. But, yeah, you know, you, want, you always want some, some high school guys. If you just think about it like the NFL, like maybe the high school guys are draft picks. The portal guys might be free agents. But you still need the right kind of people in the program. So, yeah, we, we did a little bit of both.
2: More on what is in that room and what stuck out to Cooper on film.
5: I'm very pleased with what we have here. You know, I think we have some NFL DB, DBs on the roster, guys that look like the guys that just finished coaching. Um, I think we have a good blend of young players, inexperienced players, older vets, you know, mature guys, you know, guys who've been in programs for four or five years. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm excited. Like, I love recruiting, but I just really, right now, I'm really looking forward to getting in and coaching. Like. That's, like, my first love. Coaching is, like, my first love. I just kind of know what coach likes, so we do the recruiting part. But I just can't wait to get to coach those guys. Like, I talk to Marquise Buford a lot, you know, with his situation. And we just always talk. We have like minds. So, I like those guys. I love Gifford. I love him. Like, what's there not to like? You know, Quentin, those guys are great. Malcolm, we talk all the time. You know, it's a good group. It's a good group. They play some good football. They play hard. They play hard. They play hard. Just when you watch them, it's, it's, it's pretty good for me because that's what the program is going to be based on, just hard work and playing hard and effort and toughness, and they have that, so it's been good. I'm excited. Pretty good rundown. Uh, some of the names you, you want to see
2: do well next year if you're a Nebraska fan. To the running back room we go. E.J. Barthel uh, led off his time in front of the podium today about what it means to be at Nebraska.
7: Well, I mean, to me, it's it's the original RBU, right? Yeah, that's that's the reality of, of the, as a running back coach taking this job. I mean, this is one of the best jobs in the country. Um, you know, the, the tradition that's built here on running the football. I mean, I'm honored, honestly, honored, honored to, to to be the guy that's a part of that uh, that room and, and help lead those guys because I know how important it is to this fan base um, that we run the ball effectively. And uh, you know, this is one of those jobs where it, 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 you get the chills. Thinking about game day, and uh, you know, you know, that's, you know, that's that, that's you know, Rozier, Ro, Ro, Roger Craig. I mean, Maud Green. Those guys are, those guys are legends. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, to to be part of that group in some way, some form. I worked with Amir Abdullah. You know, I mean? just to be part of that 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 special group now is pretty special to me.
2: He also was a fullback, Elijah. So there's been a lot to talk uh, the last week about. The fullback, finding a fullback on the roster, recruiting fullbacks, and then making uh, do with with some guys that could play fullback that may already be on the roster. Uh, if you're going to go with that two-back set, and Barthel's a guy who knows what it looks like because he uh, at at heart is a fullback. That's what he did in college. Uh, you have uh, the running back wants and needs. You want a guy that can get the tough yards, but also. Hit the home run, more from uh, E.J. Barthel on what he expects from the running backs uh, when they get the football in Big Ten play.
7: I think it's a mentality, you know. I really, I really do. I think it starts with, with that. I think the running back to me is is as the ultimate team player. You know, I think that um, for us, we need to be able to run the football and 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 protect in pass protection and in block in um, uh, the run game. And, and be vital members of special teams. So um, the ultimate team player in my mind. Uh, and what I look for most in backs is their will and their mentality to, 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 to not get tackled right, and, and, and to run with a sense of, uh, of violence um, um, upon contact. right. To me, that's, that's the biggest thing um, that I'm looking for in guys. I want to make sure that we're striving to finish every single run. Um, I think in the run game, in college football and, and, and football period, when you're able to run the ball effectively, I think you have a sh- shot to win, win the game. I think you take the soul out of the defense when you're able to do that, dominate the line of scrimmage, which will be one of our uh, you know, principles here. Um, so when you can do that uh, – I think that's a mindset thing more than a physical thing. You got to uh, want to do to be that way. So that's the number one trait I'm looking for. And ultimately, athleticism, you know what I mean? And, and you have to have a certain measurable and a certain speed uh, to play at this level. Um, but, you know, my job is to coach coach their eyes and, and help them understand where the ball's supposed to go and how to run the ball when they get there. Um, you know, and that's the biggest thing.
3: And, and Schmidt, what I love about that is what he said. I think the ability to run the ball takes the soul from the defense. Because how many times have you seen that? think think back, to, think back to the past decade. The Melvin Gordon game against Nebraska. Nebraska's defense looked like it lacked a soul that game after the first quarter. Uh, you think back to the Michigan game, Scott Frost's first year, with their ability to run the football. Nebraska had a defense that looked like it was lacking a soul that game. And that's not saying that that this is a defense that didn't want to be out there. I'm not saying that. I'm saying Michigan took the will from Nebraska's defense to want to be out there and want to take those body blows. I love that mentality from running backs coach. I wish you heard the same thing from Satterfield, and I'm not saying Satterfield's an anti-run-the-ball guy by any means, but that's just such a, a great mentality, and maybe that's the former offensive lineman in me Working up in speaking, but I find that to be incredibly true. If you can run the ball with success, you're going to take the soul from a defense. And I know it's a different topic altogether, but you look at the fact that in the NFL playoffs, the team that wins the rushing battle in the game wins almost 80% of the time. Like it's not hard football. It is. There's a lot of intricacies, but Simply put, it's a, it's a game of monoe mono physicality versus physicality, and if you're the t- more physical team that can run the ball with more success, I do tend to agree. You know what? You're going to take that soul from a defense. It might not be in the first quarter, but as you get into the third and fourth quarter, those body blows are going to are just going to rip that soul out of a defense. I love that.
2: No, it, and it, it's it's absolutely true. It, the answer is easy, but showing the work is the problem with uh, a lot of football teams it, is sticking with a run game, being able to do it effectively, and then just out-toughing your opponent on the line of scrimmage and then winning in that fourth quarter. I mean, Nebraska, the, the great teams, that was their signature. You think of signature moves, right? Figure four leg lock, headlock, diamond cutter, whatever, dude. Go back to your professional wrestling repertoire. And you have a finishing move, and Nebraska's move was always by that fourth quarter, uh an opposing defense was just beat to hell. No answer. Four yard gains were forty yard gains. And you just could not stand up. You wilt, you failed, you fell because of of the physicality and, and what Nebraska was able to do in the ground game. Matt Rule wants to run the football. You know, Raiola wants to run the football. Uh, Coach Barthel wants to take a lot of souls this football season. It's hard to do that on a consistent basis in the big 10. Let's spend a little bit here on the inheritance again in that running back room. Coach Barthel touched on some of the guys back in that room, you know, overall
7: impressed. Uh, Truthfully, you know, I thought, you know, after, after evaluating the tape and looking at some of the guys on the roster, um, familiar with some of them uh, other places Uh, you know at Ramir at a high school we got similar tracks I coached at Bergen Catholic High School so I'm I'm familiar with uh, Ramir and uh, just really excited about the group you know a lot of potential out there um, and and how they run the football and and I you know I you know I'm excited to work with the whole group really am
2: so the uh, the rundown is there and they all have pretty good traits that he, uh, he detailed and what he's seen on tape. We'll have a little bit more tomorrow. We'll get into some best bets next. Danny Burke will join us from VEASAN Sports Network. It is going to be a wild card weekend. Who's Danny taking? Who's he fading? Who's he live betting? And uh, we'll get it to you next. Tale Varsity continues, and we're presented by Currency.
1: And now,
2: and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. It's Burke's Best Bets time. Danny Burke from Beason Sports Network in a playoff weekend. Danny, how, uh, how's it hanging? Have you celebrated Kevin Warren to Chicago yet? And if so, how have you celebrated?
0: (laughs) Uh, not necessarily celebrated just yet. You know, uh... The jury's still out on the guy who didn't want us to have college football nah, I'm just playing around, but so look, it, it could only be it could, it could only be good things in terms of the development you would imagine of the potential stadium in Arlington Heights for the Bears. Considering he played a hand in the Vikings' new stadium, he kind of brings more of a I don't know, I guess real feel, top tier organizational approach instead of just having the family run everything. So uh, from a legit end. This is probably going to be a huge step in making this Bears team feel like an actually uh, just maturely run organization, maybe the appropriate way to put it.
3: Well, Danny, if, if Kevin Warren had stepped in preseason and stopped this Bears season before it happened, canceled it, I mean, what would it have changed you guys <laughs> still gotten the first overall pick if you had forfeited every single game this year? And you would have had to deal with the pain of watching the Bears this year. I mean, it seems like a win-win.
0: Well, that's true, although we would have missed some of the great Justin Fields game, but you're right. I mean, you would have had guys who would have been more healthy, so uh, yeah, I guess (laughs) if he can use some of those powers for the games we don't want to play in, then it's going to be a uh, viable hire.
2: Danny, let's look uh, at the playoff menu and Saturday, how are you feeling about those matchups? Do you like uh, the points in Seattle or uh, no way, no how, and Let's talk Chargers and Jags with two of the uh, best and youngest quarterbacks in the league.
0: Yeah, sorry to uh, your son, Carson, here, Schmitty, but I'm going to be stating the Seahawks in this game. Look, you got the number one overall defense, according to DBOA in San Francisco, taking on the 21st-ranked defense in Seattle. Now, going even further, the Seahawks are 25th against the run, and we know that San Francisco can scheme you to death in terms of how they can attack you on the ground game which will take some of the pressure off of rookie quarterback Brock Purdy. Although he's looked great, it is still a playoff game, and it's in a game that is going to feature some perhaps intense weather issues with the wind and the rain. So you can really hone in on handing the ball off to your amazing acquisition this season and Christian McCaffrey have that behind your stout offensive line and expose this really poor Seahawks run defense. So. Look, I know the line's kind of gotten out of hand at that 9.5, as uh, high as 10. So what I did is actually tease down the 49ers. And really, you know, I don't mind laying it, but because of the weather, and again, because of Brock Purdy being a rookie, and it is a division game in the postseason, a little bit of a cushion under a field goal I think is the right way to approach it with San Francisco. But also, let's just face the facts, Geno Smith has been playing like the Geno Smith we knew he was coming into this season. Then we found out, all right, he can have something. But it's not going to be that long, because he does have seven interceptions in his last seven games. He has failed to eclipse a completion percentage of over 62% in the last three games. Also in that span of the last three games, he has not thrown for over 215 passing yards. I get it. They love to run the ball with Kenneth Walker, and I'm sure they'll emphasize that even more so in this weather-led game. But, again, you're going up against one of, if not the best run defense in San Francisco. So the head coaching advantage, the quarterback advantage, the overall team advantage all lies with San Francisco. So for a little security, I tease them down. And really quick, I'll just tell you the team I teased them with. I did tease them with Cincinnati. The Bengals this morning in Illinois were laying eight in the hook. I know now it's about nine in the hook. But, look, if you have to use a seven-point teaser with San Francisco, you're going to have to use it for Spencey. So I got them the minus one in the hook. But if you have nine and a half, taking it down to two and a half, you're still under the key number three, and I think that's fine because Lamar Jackson is not playing this weekend. Even if he was, he hasn't taken a meaningful snap in a game or practice in over a month. And now Tyler Huntley looks like he may be banged up, so he may be getting Anthony Brown in a playoff game on the road against the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that absolutely deserves to be here, deserves a shot at the Super Bowl, a defense that has vastly improved, especially in the second half, and an offense that is led by an absolute... And Joe Burrow, so uh, I paired them with the Bengals down to under the key number three. So that's what I did with that first game in the teaser with the other partner. As for the Chargers in Jacksonville, look, I think this is going to be the most exciting game of the entire weekend. Mm-hmm. I actually ended up playing over forty-six and a half for the total at the price of minus one eighteen. I got this on Monday morning, but you have a Jacksonville defense that, according to DVOA, is thirty-first in red zone defense. 27th against the run, 20th against the pass, and overall just this outright defense. They're 30th against the pass, and we know the Chargers love to throw the ball. Justin Herbert is a beast. Now I know Mike Williams is a little bit banged up, but honestly, with or without him, I still think they're going to be able to move the ball. Will that hinder their chances in winning? Sure, but I don't think it's going to hinder them still having scoring opportunities. In aiding this total going to the over. And then you look at the other side. Yes, Brandon Staley, a defensive guy, finally, after a year and a half, has made adjustments defensively and you've seen some improvements, but they are still dead last. They ended the season dead last in allowing the most yards per rush attempt at 5.4 to opposing tailbacks. And over the last three games, that increased to 5.8. So Jacksonville, with their weapons, their improving offense, will be able to establish the ground dominance with Travis EPN which will set up the play action, which will expose the secondary of the Chargers, and again, lead to more points. So I did over 46.5 for that game.
3: Danny Burke is with us here. It's Burke's Best Bets. And Danny, I was inclined to skip right past Miami and Buffalo, but with the 13-point line, i got to ask, why is that not included in your teaser? Tease down the the Bills to a six-point favorite.
0: Because when you're doing teasers, historically the most successful ones are when you're crossing the key numbers of Seven and three, but when you're crossing seven, you're going up through the seven, so not necessarily right below it. And I'm not saying it's bad play and that it can't hit. And I, and I do like the idea of that, but I, I would have wanted to do that earlier uh, so I wouldn't have had to pay more on the seven point teaser. Because if I'm paying more on a seven point teaser, you know, some books it's anywhere from like minus 130 to minus 140, some do minus 150, but the standard should be uh, like minus 130 to minus 140 range. And so, basically, if I'm paying that much, I don't want to have to spread out still like a pretty sizable spread. I want it down to where they just have to win by a field goal, which it lands on that a lot. And I know it lands on a touchdown a lot, but still, that's still asking a team to cover by seven, which I do believe they will. And I'm not talking anybody out of it. I just don't care to tease down a team from double digits. The Stanford long teaser, again, historically the most successful. You tease down home favorites of just over seven, so you cross down to the key number of seven and three, or you're teasing up home and or road underdogs from, say, plus two and a half, over three, and over seven. So when you're doing it from the teams, you're only crossing the one key number instead of two of them. So that's why I didn't do it. But... Look, the the time to jump in on Buffalo was right at the beginning of the week because he kind of knew or figured that Tua wasn't going to play. And this was going to be the third time around in the Bills with a lot of momentum coming into the postseason and a lot to play for, certainly. Uh, Under 10 would have been the right spot to do it and not having it in the teaser. But I've got nothing in this game with Skyler Thompson on the other end. There's not even any player props you like in that game. It's the playoffs. Uh, For that game, look, you would want to do something with Josh Allen, and maybe he could do his passing touchdowns over one and a half. But maybe be careful a little bit in terms of his pass attempts and pass completions, just because if you do believe that the Bills cover this number, well, they're not really going to stress Josh Allen throwing it consistently. They're a team that needs to get their run offense get going, and they should do that in this game where they know they're a big favorite and can easily win. So again, you probably just want to get your guys safe and out of there and not leave them vulnerable or open to any mistakes. So maybe if anything, you'd look at rushing props with the Bills, assuming they get a big lead, hold on to it, wind down the clock, and try to get confidence in that running game. But I didn't do any props in the playoffs just because it's a little bit wonky. Everything kind of changes, and the sample sizes are different. It's, It's just a little bit more unique in the postseason why I don't, out as much for these player props. They do have some leads, but uh, I don't think I'm going to jump in on any for this week.
1: Miss us?
4: Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring me in for the real thing.
0: We're on call for you.
1: Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio.
2: Find it down here Hale Varsity Radio, Danny Burke, Beeson Sports Network, and follow Danny at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter, catch him weekends on Beeson. Danny, Minnesota and the Giants, a thriller, the, the first time in the regular season. Does Minnesota break hearts or do they move on?
0: <laughs> this game, as we just left in shambles. Look, on paper, the Vikings should win this game. They should be the better team, and it really shouldn't be a discussion. But the argument absolutely can and should be made that Brian Dable is the better coach in this spot. I mean, I like Kevin O'Connell. That's why I love the Vikings coming into this season. And yeah, they've cashed me some tickets, but this is a different beast. Like, we, I mean, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, TJ and Kirk Cousins, we shouldn't even be having a discussion right now of who should win this game. Yet we are because Minnesota has an inability to win comfortably. To do something stout on defense their defense kills them and sometimes if they can't get that running game established and filter in the play action they're trailing immediately look the Giants are a red or a part me a rushing defense that allows the second most yards per carry I believe the number is at 5.2 so again if Dalvin Cook can get established early and you factor in the play action that is the bread and butter for this Minnesota offense but if you look at what happened in that first game, Christmas Eve, Vikings beat the Giants 27-24. to Minnesota made Daniel Jones actually look like an NFL quarterback. And then some. The Duke went 30-42 for 334 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Uh, Barkley had 84 rushing yards and a touchdown. The Giants actually averaged more yards per play, 6.7, compared to the Vikings' flat five. Vikings went three or four in the red zone when the Giants only went one or two, and the Giants had two turnovers, but that's kind of uncharacteristic because they have a plus-three turnover differential and the second few giveaways in the NFL. If they can limit those mistakes, I would not be shocked if the Giants win this game. Again, I think Minnesota should because they have a good home field advantage and they have the better players, but I just don't know how you can trust them with this number at three. If you like Minnesota, wait to see what the tempo of this game is and then live bet it. Otherwise... I honestly would probably feel a little bit more comfortable taking the points with the Giants or teasing them up.
3: Danny, last thought here. Cowboys, Buccaneers got about a minute left. Are you betting against Tom Brady in the playoffs?
0: I personally am not. Now that this line's moved down to two in the hook, I think you're in a prime position to tease up the Bucks Again, you're crossing a key number of three, crossing a key number of seven. Uh, Dak Prescott hasn't done anything impressive, and I don't trust Mike McCarthy. I don't trust Todd Bowles, but I trust Tom Brady. With the play that I made, though, I did the first half under 22 in the hook. Tampa has the first or the number one ranked first half defense, according to DDOA. Dallas is 22nd offensively. Tampa's 14th offensively. Dallas is 15th defensively. But the Bucks limiting opponents to just nine first half points per game. Dallas allowing 11. Tampa Bay averaging less than nine. They're at 8.6, and Dallas is averaging 13.2. The only time Tampa Bay gets an offense is in a two-minute drill, and that's not going to occur at the beginning stages of this game. Dallas will be limited by the Bucks' defense. that is a little bit underrated. I think it's going to be a slower effort, so first half under 22.5 points.
2: Danny Burke with us. VEASAN Sports Network at Danny Burke 5. That's where you find him on Twitter. Catch him on Vison's network throughout the weekend in the NFL playoffs. Danny, thanks for the time. Thanks for the insight today. You got it, fellas. Enjoy Wild Card Weekend.
3: That'll do it for us here on this Thursday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Make sure you check out the podcast, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. Or check us out, the video streaming portion on YouTube. That's Hale Varsity's YouTube page. Check it out. Post it up shortly following the show. We'll talk to you tomorrow from 4 to 6. Schmidt will be back. A we'll Media
4: Production.